Welcome to this week's Henchman of Comics. I'm Alex Ashback. And I'm Matt Golden. And this week we are talking about Detective Comics 1000. You're right. We sure are. And I'm going to keep doing my Batman voice the whole podcast. And I'm going to end up with no voice tomorrow at work. I thought you were trying to pass for a very macho drag queen. And (laughs) I think I was so close. (laughs) I was trying to sound like I was passing kidney stones as well. Or you were macho man Randy Savage trying to get, uh, (laughs) get an early jump on your Halloween costume. I could only hope to do that much cocaine in my lifetime. (laughs) Well, there's still plenty of time. (laughs) It's not, it's not over. Never let the dream die. Uh, so yeah, Detective Comics. So let's talk about Batman a little bit first, because we haven't talked about him enough. We never talk about that guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what can I say? He's uh, He fights crime. He's a superhero. He wears a cape. Man, that's really all I know. He's a poor man's version of Man-Bat. Yeah, he really yeah. is. He's he's a way less cool version of Man-Bat. But I kind of want to like talk to the people about... The people, yes. The people. Yeah. Our people. Let's reach the people. Yeah, we're coming for you. Coming for you. Uh, Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so tell me what your favorite Batman movie is. Uh, my favorite Batman movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably Batman Mask of the Phantasm, the animated film. Really? Yeah. That's not a bad choice. I would have to say that my favorite one is whatever the one is that Clooney did. Uh, second favorite, Dark Knight. Because if Dark Knight's not your favorite, like, eh, are you lying? I mean, this is kind of a side, but I kind of feel like, maybe it's over time, but like the Nolan films, I don't enjoy them as much as I did whenever they first came out. I don't know why. Like, I feel like for some reason, Bert, Burton's Batman holds up better than me, even though I think it's because like Burton's signature style holds up better. So like, I know I'm, what I'm getting into. Are you maybe telling me that you don't love a blue filter over everything that's being done? Uh, there was no Prince. There was no Bat Dance. So what's the point? <laughs> Uh, fair enough. Let's move on. Uh, what's your favorite Batman uh, story or stories? Uh, that's, I mean, that's a great question, which is hard for me to say. I think my favorite. More like a self-contained thing. Yeah. I think my favorite, though, is probably Grant Morrison's run uh, on Batman and Son whenever he introduces Damien. And then eventually Dick takes over and takes the mantle of Batman and the whole Batman Incorporated. I mean, it's hard to say. Like, there's just so many great stories. And I'm just focusing on one writer and I can't even pick out a single story. What about you? Um, I'm going to go, uh, two ways. I'm going to go one of the classic, uh, which is killing joke. Um, yeah. one of the greatest stories ever written. It's not so much a Batman story as it is a Joker story. Uh, but one of the greatest things ever written, uh, Alan Moore there. And then year 100 is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, Paul Pope brings something to the character that I don't think has really ever been brought, um, yeah, and that's the thing, too, about Batman, is Batman's not my favorite hero. He's not my favorite DC hero, but I think we'd both agree that overall he's got the best amount of quality stories in his canon more than any other hero out there. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, those two authors have never written Batman other than really those stories themselves. Like, everybody's taking a shot and yeah. taking a swing from all kinds of legendary writers and artists, so it's pretty fantastic. Uh, who Speaking of writers... Who's your favorite Batman writer? If you're trying to pin one down, uh, my I think I think Snyder probably had the most consistent run over time. 
Uh, I wasn't a fan of like I still liked all the arcs, but there was a couple that dipped in quality. But even like reading, when I like, read like his All Star Batman stuff, like I still uh, I know with Snyder I'm, I'm going to have a good story at the end. I wrote Snyder down at first, and then I I took it off. But he's in my top three. I'll say, uh, and my other top would be the current run uh, with Tom King, which has also had some some moments of weaker stuff, but also some of the best stuff I've ever read. It really delves into the man, uh, and then Frank Miller. Uh, yeah, great holy choice. shit! Like yeah. the guy just got the character and really yeah. just nailed it. Um, where would you uh, where would you jump off with Batman if you're trying to like recommend like comics and someone's like oh, I kind of like Batman? Like, I would start with Court of Owls. Okay, uh, with the Snyder and Capullo Volume One story. And with the introduction, it's the fresh off New Fifty Two, so readers have their own kind of fresh art without needing to know hundreds of years of backstory. If I was trying to get somebody into Batman, I would. That's what I wrote down to was Court of Owls. But if you're just trying to say, here's a couple stories that you'll like, a good one obviously would be Year One, yeah, uh, Frank Miller. So those would be the two. But I think Court of Owls is better. But yeah, All right. there you go. Uh, and speaking of Batman Two, the Joker trailer came out this week. Yeah, uh, it did. It's a movie I was not excited about at all before the trailer, and also this, I thought the trailer was a great trailer. But I don't want to have any help for it yet. No, I'm holding out uh, expectation on this film. It looks good, but I could also see it being yeah, not good at all. Like Joaquin Phoenix looked creepy enough. He looked tortured enough. He had the uh, emaciated uh, body of, of Joaquin Joker. Phoenix. Yes. Uh, there was no character study at all. <laughs> uh, so, But it'll be interesting. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about this podcast, obviously, whenever it comes out. But... I just don't want to have hope because I just don't want to get my hopes up and just hope and have it be terrible. Well, Joaquin Phoenix is a good and creepy dude. So no matter what happens with the movie, he'll still be a good and creepy dude. He'll <laughs> still be a fantastically creepy individual with just the darkest eyes you can ever imagine. Um, but enough of that. Let's talk about Detective Comics number 1000. Yeah, we jumped in. Obviously, we talked about Action Comics 1000 when that came out. And Detective Comics is much the same. It's a collection of Batman short stories. From some of the greatest writers and artists that have ever written for or drawn the Batman. Or even thought about it. Uh, and we jump off with somebody that we already started talking about, which is Scott Snyder. Uh, paired once again with Greg Capullo uh, for their legendary run. Uh, this so wh- is the longest case? Is uh, that what it's called? Yeah. And this is, uh, I'll say, spoilers for every story we talk about. Ooh, yeah. uh, too bad I told everybody the, the title for the first story. Might as well turn off your podcast. I ruined it. <laughs> so what did you think of Snyder Capullo's story? It was fine. I liked the art more than I liked the story. I'll say that. I'll say this. I liked it because it was a detective story. So we're starting off with a detective story for Detective Comics. Uh, the art was great. I agree 100%. Uh, the mystery itself was okay, but I enjoyed the payoff. I love seeing Detective Chimp. Uh, and that there's this great club of detectives. But the thing that killed me a bit is I wanted to see more of this story. Like it just it just sort of stops with Batman gets that twist of seeing the real mysteries of the universe. I want to know what they are. I, I want this setting to be used in other DC stories. See, this would be a great premise of a mini series, and this would be like the first half of the first issue. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that'd be a great point. Uh, next up, we get Kevin Smith uh, writing a Batman story with Jim Lee. Kevin Smith, of course, wrote The Whiting Gyre uh, and Cacophony. And uh, Jim Lee is a fucking legend. Yeah, one of the greatest artists of all time. Uh, so the art is fantastic in this. Uh, I think we both agree. Uh, what do you think of the story? It was all right. 
Um, I thought the payoff was a little lame. I love the payoff. Like it's, I mean, Batman getting the gun that killed his parents and melting it down, and that's wearing it as his crest. Like I, I thought that was great. I, I think Kevin is fantastic at knowing Batman, like the character, or Bruce Wayne, like seeing Bruce as a tortured young boy, and, and how that makes the decision of everything that he does. He was certainly tortured, and I, I enjoy the sentiment, but I thought it was a little lame. It's like, the same thing that broke my heart as a kid will protect my heart now. I was like, that's really weak. Really weak You're sauce. weak. Uh, well, you nailed me. Uh, we're up to next is the story about uh, Rodney Newt, uh, the legend of uh, Newt Rodney, sorry, uh, written by Paul Dini with art by Justin Wynn. Uh, I thought, again, I re- there's not a lot of weak art in this book. I thought the art fit, perfectly fit the tone of this story. Yeah, absolutely. Some Like the best artists that have ever drawn on Batman. Uh, Paul Dini, for those of you that don't know, uh, was one of the showrunners of Batman animated series. He wrote uh, the comic Mad Love. He created Harley Quinn. Uh, he's had his, he's been in the industry for a long, long time and is a massive Batman fan uh, and has had a lot of influence over who Batman is and how people see him. Uh, but I really enjoyed the story. I, I thought it was a nice change of pace because it was just something fun and lighthearted. It was one of my favorite ones, and Batman's not even really in it. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, we, he might be. We, we just don't know who he is under the cow. And I just like the idea that all the villains, Newt is this henchman, uh, so he obviously plays close to Matt and I's heart. Yes. Um, <laughs> He's just like yeah, us. Who basically has worked for all these famous Gotham villains. And basically just foiled all their capers every single time because he's such a dumb dumb. <laughs> he's like uh like when you like read People magazine and like the stars they're just like us, like henchmen, they're just like us. Yeah, I thought the ending was a little corny with Damien coming out wanting to be Newt Jr. Uh cause it was so stupid. That's not like Damien's personality at all, at least in my opinion. But hey, I mean Paul Dini gets a pass for me. Uh and you you have some have some sort of little button to end this. You can have one bad panel. I will allow you <laughs> one bad panel. And there you go. So I was really excited to read this next story. Uh, it was written by Warren Ellis uh, with art by Becky Cloonan called The Batman's Design. Uh, I love Becky Cloonan as an artist. Uh, I think she's a really good writer, too. I really liked her run on The Punisher. I thought it was uh, a little too short, even though I want to say it was 18 to 22 issues, 24 issues. Uh, but I like having Warren Ellis uh, write Batman. He hasn't worn him very much. Probably his most famous run. Or time with Batman was when Batman crossed over during the Planetary series, but he hasn't had much time with the Cape Crusader. No, but this is one of the the stories I, I really enjoyed. I think this is kind of the, one of the stronger parts of the Batman 1000, which is a whopping 96 pages. Yeah. Um, I liked this story. Batman's basically just like kicking ass throughout yeah. a uh, throughout a warehouse. It just shows his planning and his precision and how he has everything down. To, to a T, every little move, every little weakness, even for just uh, your average run-of-the-mill gunman invading a warehouse, he knows all their weaknesses already. Yeah, he's he's done his research. He knows who's staking out this warehouse, who's there. So he knows who he needs to kick a little extra ass Yeah, with. and you get to see each brutal step. You also get to see his mindset of like whenever he decides like how vicious and how brutal he wants to be. He also knows their background as well, too. So I thought that uh, that was a clever touch, and I hope we get to see more Warren Ellis writing Batman in the future. One could only hope. One could only hope. Uh, so our next story is uh, by Denny O'Neill and Steve Epting. Uh, Denny O'Neill is a long comic book writer, has been writing comic books forever. 
And I was going to say, this is probably my least enjoyed story in this. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah. but it's got some of the best art. Which... Yes, it does. The art's fantastic. <laughs> it's got like that. It's got the, the re- more realistic uh, faces. It's a lot of detail put into the faces as well, too. Yeah. Um, but the, the story was just like kind of like a shame on you Batman story. Yeah, uh, which is totally weak for a celebration yeah. of Batman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get it. I mean, you, you need to have someone look at it from a different angle. Everyone can't tell the same story over and over again. Uh, but the story just didn't do much for me. They did absolutely nothing for me. Uh, after that, we have uh, Heretic by Christopher Priest uh, with art by longtime comic book artist Neil Adams. I love Christopher Priest. I think he's a great writer. But this was a story, again, that didn't do much for me. For me, it was kind of two uh, misses in a row. Yeah, it really was. The weak, This is probably the weakest point of the of the comic for me. So if you want to skip two, uh, two little vignettes here and skip through 16 pages of not great comic books, I'll go say for it. the best part of this is Batman doing his detective work toward the beginning, a little bit after like the opening prologue for it. I thought uh, some of this just didn't make sense. Yeah. Like, it was the most confusing story that I think I read. Yeah, and I think Neil Adams' art is... Uh, is great, but I think it's a little dated, especially with Priest's writing style, too. I just don't think those two go well together. Uh, and there's some art I'm going to say later on. I love the old school, early 90s, late 80s Batman. The, there's something cheesy and campy to it that I absolutely adore. Um, but right here, the the story just didn't work. Now we're going to jump into the new newest member to the DC big name stable roster, which is I Know by Brian Michael Bendis, with uh. art by his long time uh artist sometimes with alex maleev i don't uh, know why he doesn't just go by bm bendis yeah. <laughs> you just go by bender <laughs> uh but like i love alex Maleev's art. i've talked about him before in this podcast i think he's he's one of my favorite artists if not my favorite artist so everything he did in these panels was fantastic uh and we talked about bendis before too and bendis's stuff is always snappy and a quick read and this batman story was the same way i felt like it really was. Bendis doesn't put anything in there that doesn't need to be in there. He just kind of keeps it simple. And it's basically Oswald Cobblepot confronting an elderly Bruce Wayne about how he knew the entire time that Batman was Bruce Wayne. Uh, and Bruce can't talk. He's just stuck in a wheelchair. And Cobblepot's, uh, or Oswald's also really old. Uh, and he's just basically saying that Batman owes his existence to him. At which point Batman... Shocks the shit out of him from his wheelchair and tells him that he can't talk and he knew the whole time. Uh, yeah, it was a fun little story. Uh, I wasn't sure where it was going to go in the end, but it was nice that even as an old man, that Bruce always has the upper hand. Uh, I enjoyed it. We're going to jump into now uh, Jeff John's story, which is the last crime in Gotham uh, with art by Kelly Jones. I'm guessing that's what you were talking about. We we're talking about the 90s style art. It really was. And this is colors and all. Yeah, a lot of the credits go to the colorist as well. Michelle Madsen. Because uh, she helped bring that 90s style to life. Uh, I think it was fitting, too, because Jeff Johns wrote a lot of DC comics in the 90s. He still writes DC stuff as well. But that's kind of where he came into his own. To my knowledge, she hasn't written Batman before at like at length. I'm sure he might have like played a hand in like a, an issue here. No, like I mean, his biggest one has been like his Flash. And, of course, he wrote yeah. Justice League with Batman was in it as well. Uh, but he's never been a prolific Batman writer. He's written plenty of Green Lantern. Yeah, and he's written a ton of Green Lantern, too, and done all great stuff for that. Uh, I thought this was a story was very much a Jeff John story. Yeah. Uh, it, it was basically about how Batman will always be alone. Like no matter how he is, will be miserable even on his birthday uh, and he'll be alone. 
Yeah, this is what the the last crime where basically the Joker's yeah. son kills everybody, including yes. himself. Yeah. So, he kills every villain that's left yep. alive. So there's nothing else for Batman to do. And when every when all the crime is gone, he's just a lonely man with nothing else. Uh, a giant cave with the card of his grave nemesis on there. Now, does that speak to you? Yes. Uh, my giant card is coming in the middle right now. <laughs> uh, the next story is by the president, written by James Tinian, uh, with art by Alvaro Martinez uh, Bueno. And James Tinian has been writing... Bueno. Uh, James Tinian wrote Detective Comics for a long time in the Rebirth run until Brian Hill took over uh, shortly. Uh, and I was not a big fan of Tinian at first, but his, his run of Detective really changed my mind. Uh, I thought, like, out of nowhere, he became an incredible writer. And his run on The President was, I thought, a sweet story. He basically told the story of Bruce and Dick. And it was our first, like, glimpse at the Bat families uh, in the story. They were here and there in other stories, but this is the first time it took front page. Yeah, it was... Uh... It was fantastic. Uh, I thought it was really good. It was one of the better stories. Yeah. And, and it kind of really ramps up the end of the book here. And how much Dick Grayson means to Bruce uh, and how they balance each other out. Um, it was just a nice fun. And it was a short story. I think it's one of the shorter ones in the book. Uh, and we get to our last main story of the book, which is Batman's Greatest Case, uh, written by Tom King, art by Joel Jones and Tony S. Daniels. Uh, so what do you think? It might have been my favorite one. Uh, it ends with Batman saying the word cheese, and that's all you need to know. Nothing else. That's now, the only thing Batman says the whole time. And I, I thought this was, I agree, though. I thought this was one of the best stories. Yeah. You get basically almost every important member of the Bat family. You're missing a few. Throughout uh, the ages of Batman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and just seeing all of them interrupt with each other. It did have my favorite line moment in the entire book where people are talking about Dick and and I think it was Barbara talking about <laughs> how Dick says he always say well because someone's like not for Batman and you hear Dick in the background going I am Batman I, I was Batman <laughs> and you hear Barbara talking about, always talks about how I am Batman he's like I was Batman and you hear Damien and Dick arguing as well too because uh, they have that little brother uh, older brother relationship as well and Damien was Dick's Robin whenever Dick was Batman for a little while too. And you get to see Jason f- fearing he's going to be kicked out of the family. Uh, you get to see Batgirl asking what makes Batwoman a woman as well. It's just a bunch of quick, great little moments between characters that wouldn't have these kind of interactions uh, in a traditional, like, long-form comic. This is a this is Tom King at his most Tom Kingy. I feel like uh, he's really reached his uh, his wheelhouse here, and it's basically just people living their lives, uh, and the fact that superheroes are people too. That's what he does well. He, yeah. That's the story that he writes in his comics. Uh, and that's really the last like side story. There is this uh, very end. We get some the very end, like most uh, kind of like a mini trade where you get to see splash pages and variant covers. But it ends with the story Medieval by Peter J. Tomasi with art by Doug Mahone, which is supposed to be a tease for Detective 1001 because Tomasi's taking over Detective Comics. This didn't really do much for me at all. Nothing for me. I Um, wish they ended on the Tom King. You can just say Batman medieval coming with 1001. And like, I mean, you and I both like Bendis's and at the end of action comics as well. Uh, Uh, Bendis is obviously better writer than Peter. And like, I like Peter Tomasi. I really liked his run on super sons recently. Uh, But, and maybe, and this is, I don't want to judge this story based off this one tease, but I don't think this, did much to push any books in that direction. I'm hoping the first issue and the first arc is a lot stronger than what we got here. I do too. Uh, we'll see though. We'll see. Um, I haven't kept up super well with Tinian's run. 
Although I liked the first four or five trades of it quite a bit. That's all I'll say with that. Uh, so what would you say is your favorite story out of this group? Man, I really like that Tom King story. He's He's been doing it for me. And when you can make these otherworldly people 100% human and relatable, and you can just tell stories of, of people talking and it's wildly entertaining, that's the mark of a great writer to me. Um, and I think that was one of the most well-written, if not the best Batman story. It's just him getting his whole family together, which is a super dad thing to do. My favorite story was the Kevin Smith story, really just because the ending. I know you don't like the ending, but like for me, it was a powerful ending. And it was probably the only one to tell the story of, of Bruce himself. Uh, but I don't know if you would agree. Would you would you say that this was a more consistent 1,000-issue uh, arc than Action Comics 1,000? I'd say it was about the same. Uh, there's strong points and there's weak points. I, I, thought the the art, strong points I thought the art was pretty great all around yeah, uh, throughout really the was. book. Um, I think the strong points were stronger in this book, and I think the weak points were also weaker than Action Comics. Was there any writer that you would have liked to see that didn't get, uh, that wasn't a part of this? Uh, I know Frank Miller did a, a variant cover for this, uh, which is the one that you have that we've been kind of flipping through here. Uh, I really wish that he would have done something for it, uh, being such a, a relevant writer for so long. Maybe Grant Morrison, yeah, too. Yeah, I was going to say Grant Morrison. Like I think Morrison and Miller... Probably more than most people, at least who are still writing comics uh, these days, it's surprising that they were not a part of uh, writing a story for Detective well, Comics. The thing is, I mean, Miller's just doing the Xerxes comic, which I think is already wrapped up. Um, but Morrison's writing for fucking DC. Yeah, right I know. Now. I thought about that. Too. He's writing for <laughs> DC right yeah. now, and so. his run on Green Lantern is fantastic. Go check it out. But there's thought, no reason they shouldn't be yeah. able to get him for this. And I thought they did a good job of getting a lot of Batman's big writers, obviously, with Snyder, uh, with Paul Dini, with Kevin Smith, with Tom King. I'm sure Tom King was a really hard get. Uh, <laughs> and even including people that haven't had a, a chance but are still big comic writers with like Warren Ellis, Christopher Priest, and Jeff Johns. So it was a nice mix. But th- I thought Warren Ellis was a good get for this. Yeah. Uh, DC, please bring Warren Ellis to have him do to have him take over for detective or write his own all-star Batman. Let him take over after Tom King and do like a 30 issue thing. We won't even require our normal $30,000 counseling fee that, that we just gave that that's free. That's on the house. Uh, Alex is 30,000 on the house. Mine's on the table. So you're getting us at half price. Matt only Sinek only will take Canadian loonies. Yeah, it's uh, a new thing I'm doing. Yeah. I won't ever spin them. So He actually melts them down. It's a federal <laughs> crime in Canada, but there's no extradition treaty between Canada and America. There probably is, but we're not lawyers. I melt them down and turn them into a symbol, much like uh, Kevin Smith does. So yeah. I thought it was kind of a, a <laughs> yeah, rip You're off. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I've seen this before. I see this almost on a week- weekly basis. Kevin Smith must follow my Twitch account. But next week, we're going to keep up the DC talk. Because uh, we're going to be talking about Shazam. Ba-bam! Look at us talking about all the DC things. That has never happened. Yeah, it never, never happens. It makes me feel good in my heart. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week's Henchman of Comics. As always, you can email us at henchmanofcomics at gmail.com. Uh, we've got an Instagram. We've got a Twitter. Uh, but most importantly, just like and subscribe. It would mean the world to Alex's mom. For the Henchman of Comics, I'm Alex Eschbeck. And I'm Batman. Henchman ain't easy.